Episode 333 of the BizTalk podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I am editor Kirk Semenoff. Matt Beatty is a busy guy. In addition to his part in the Wichita Sports Forum, which is continually busy hosting basketball, volleyball, and other sports, he is also part of the group developing entertainment district in Park City, at Bowling Center in Northwest Wichita, and he's a partner in the Name Image Likeness Collaboratives that pay college athletes at the University of Kansas and Wichita State University. So I'm glad we could get some time with him to talk about all of that on this week's Biz Talk podcast. Matt Beatty joins me in just a minute. But first, here's a look at what's in this week's edition of the Wichita Business Journal. Our cover story this week is all about hockey time in Wichita. The Wichita Thunder begins its 32nd season Friday night at Intrust Bank Arena, and reporter Josh Witt talks with Thunder ownership and leadership about how the franchise has adapted to stay successful over three decades. So lace them up and read about the Icemen of Wichita beginning on page 14. Our list this week is office buildings, the space they have, and what's available to lease. The list is on page 8. Our Young Professionals series returns this week with a look at young professionals and professional services. How many times did I say professionals there? Meet these up-and-coming Wichitans, beginning on page 17. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly leads section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our leads section this week begins on page 33. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Matt Beatty is with us on this week's podcast. And if I, I was joking with Matt that if we talked about everything he's involved with, this will be an hour-long podcast, but hopefully we'll keep it under that. Matt, thanks for joining me. Thanks. I appreciate you having me. Uh, I don't know quite know where to start. Let's let's start with your background. There are a lot of people who know you. You're very well known in this town, but I, I always like to talk about a person's career path. Mm-hmm. Um, you went to Mays High. Baseball was a big part of your life. You and your brother both played baseball and were outstanding ball players, and you went to KU. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you were always a, a Shocker fan, too. Right. Why, why did you end up at KU? Well, I, I guess I wasn't good enough to be a Shocker, <laughs> is what Gene would probably say. But, uh, yeah, I grew up a Shocker fan all my life, my brother and I. And we both wanted to play baseball at Wichita State, but uh, didn't have the opportunity to do that on a scholarship. So that's how we ended up being Jayhawks. Mm-hmm. And you played – you were two years apart. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, he was, a, he was a senior in high school when I was a freshman. Oh, okay. School. So, so, but you spent a little time together on the KU team, right? Yeah, we played two years. He dislocated his shoulder, I think his freshman or sophomore year. So he had a red shirt. And so I got to play two years with him, which was a you know dream come true, getting to play with your big brother in college. That's kind of a precursor to your, to your professional career, uh, spending a lot of time in college athletics. Uh, after, t- tell us about after KU when you graduated in 06. What did you do after that? Yeah, you know, I got my degree in uh, sports administration, and I had a, a career-ending injury. I ended up making it back with about the last seven weeks of the season, lacerated my spleen and my kidney uh, in a collision, and, and decided at that point, you know, maybe college baseball is uh, is enough for me. Let's go uh, change, change the, help change the world and go get married and had a uh, girlfriend at the time that now is my wife, and so that we were serious and it was time to grow up and quit chasing the, the child dream and 
got my degree in sports administration, and I was really involved in the athletic department as a student athlete with student uh, with the SAC uh, and student really, advisory student council. advisory yeah. council, and got really close with Lou Perkins, which was the athletic director at that time, and. You know, every sports uh, degree needs a uh, internship to graduate, and so I went into Lou's office and asked for some help. Um, and uh, he connected me with uh, Mr. Tim Allen, which mm-hmm. was the senior associate commissioner at the time at the Big Twelve. He's no longer there; he's retired now. But um, he uh, gave me an opportunity to internship under, him. and that's kind of where I got started. Was uh, in the conference office down in Las Colinas, Texas, and and fell in love with the college administration at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm an old sports editor, so I want to ask you at least one question about Lou Perkins. He <laughs> had a lot of effect on not only University of Kansas athletic department, but Wichita State too. What uh, and good and bad, you're going to see his detractors too. What did you learn from Lou? Well, you know, he transformed college athletics at, at KU in particular. You know, I was a lot younger when he was at, at uh, Wichita State, so I don't remember those times. But, you know, having worked for him um, and been in the athletic department as a student athlete, there's some good, there's some bad, there's some ugly and everything. Uh, I can I could write a book on, on college administration, but, you know, he, he taught me that uh, you got to do difficult things. And, you know, he introduced the Priority Point program at KU, which wasn't popular. Right. But it raised significant amount of money for the athletic department. And the Williams Education Fund, who I ended up running, but as a baseball player, you know, that was where my scholarship generated was from mm-hmm. the Williams Education Fund. So it was very passionate, um, you know, uh, endeavor for me to, to be a part of that. I remember thinking at the time, KU has not done this before. How is this possible that this, that seats at Allen Fieldhouse are not more uh, coveted that you wouldn't have some sort of priority point system? Yeah, no question. And, and you know, historically, you know, there's a lot of complaints that historically there were some, you know, again, some good and some bad about it and rewarding those that that gave money in the past but you know in the athletic department it's all about the annual dollar unfortunately right mm-hmm. it's 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 less about what you did for me 10 years ago because 10 years ago doesn't pay my bills today uh, unfortunately and right. so you have to create that process and, and plan in place to try to maximize your annual dollars much the life you know i always say the annual fund whether it's say so at wichita state or at KU with the Williams Education Fund, the annual fund is the lifeline of the athletic department. Mm-hmm. Three years after graduation, you get hired. You're 25-ish, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're hired by Wichita State as director of development. That They obviously saw something in you, and you obviously had a, a great love for college athletics at that time. Talk about that transition. Yeah, you know, I... Um, I after my internship, I uh, went back and I actually worked at KU in marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lou gave me my first job in marketing department. I knew that uh, I wanted to be an athletic director um, or thought at that time uh, that I want to be an athletic director and needed to be on the external side, which is the revenue producing side of the athletic department. And so I was looking for opportunities in the in the uh in the development space, the fundraising space. I had a lot to learn. I was a shy kid back then and probably more closer to being an introvert than I am now. Mm-hmm. I forced myself to be an extrovert. How'd you get out of that? You yeah. know, I, I, I think it's, it's uh, I got some advice from uh, a donor at KU who the field is named after at, at KU, Forrest Hoagland. And I sat down with him when I was in Dallas. I went to a Mavericks game with him and I said, hey, how does, how does somebody ask you for money? And uh, he just looked at me and says, what's, what's the worst I can say? No. Mm-hmm. And as, as, I mean, as dumb as that sounds, that was pretty enlightening yeah. to me at that time. And, 
And at that point it was, you know, Hey, I look at everything like batting averages, right? My dad always said, you know, when you, when you get told no, you're that much closer to your yes. And so, you know, if I'm being told, I'm, you know, I kind of get excited when I get told no, cause I'm that much closer to my yes. And, and so that's how I kind of looked at things. And, and, uh, and that's how I kind of helped uh, transform my, my life in college athletics was through fundraising and, and getting out of my introvert and being more of an extrovert. Then you, you come to Wichita and Wichita state. Uh, I assume it was good to get back home, uh, near family, but talk about your Wichita state days. You know, I loved being a shocker. Uh, and I still consider myself a shocker. Um, you know, this is, this is our home, home university and, you know, it was a great experience going in as a director of development and quickly, I think within a year, uh, my boss and his boss ended up leaving, Brian Morris and Brian Proct, and I ended up becoming an assistant AD in charge of all of Say So. And so I was thrown to the wolves, you know. it's uh, I think I gained 30 pounds in a matter of like uh, three months because I was doing breakfast, lunch, dinner, <laughs> happy hours, those type of things. And what, what that taught me is, is when you're not in a power five, because I've been privileged to to have opportunities in, in both levels, you got to work for every single penny at a level like Wichita State, which taught me a lot about the fundraising world and, and just the relationship side. And we have some passionate people in Wichita and Shockers, Shocker world. And so that was fun um, and helped me build my network and, and um, which is, which has helped me today. And, and, uh, you know, having um, been a part of that has been been uh, a blessing. I want to ask you about the dynamic between being a Shocker and being a Jayhawk, too. We'll get into that. Then you went outside college athletics for a while at Equity Bank, which is the sponsor of the podcast, if we don't say that enough. <laughs> uh, talk about that. And, and you spent three years there, and did you enjoy it? And I loved it. How much it. did you miss college athletics? I loved it. You know, um, I got out of college athletics. Um, I just woke up one day and, and um, decided, you know, I wanted to try something different. Brad Elliott was a mentor, still is a mentor of mine, good friend. And uh, he pressed me for some time as, hey, I think you could be successful outside of college athletics. I had no idea what that looked like. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, had an opportunity to go uh, lead their business development efforts through uh, through kind of a beginning time for them when they were trying, uh, when they were growing through uh, through mergers and acquisitions. I kind of helped lead that team out in front with customer acquisition and and going out and just smoothing the waters with customers that we were taking over in other markets. And so I learned a ton about the banking industry. Um, I didn't know a, a single thing about it. Didn't mm -hmm. even know how to do an interest rate or anything like that. But I oversaw our treasury management department and it was a great experience for me to to uh, jump into something that I had no idea about and had to learn on the on the fly. You're you're an introvert that became an extrovert. How much how much difficulty did you have in in jumping into something you'd never done before? No, I, I, it was an exciting time for me, um, you know, because I had somebody that believed in me and Brad and and had a great team of resources around me and and they just trusted me and said uh, what what I what I enjoyed about it is you know Brad would say I don't care what you know about banking go be you and go build relationships and that's that, that's the success we had and I would say that's the success that equity banks had they're kind of the black sheep and in the industry, uh, in banking, and they've always done things a little bit different, mm -hmm. um, which I think has led to their success. Mm -hmm. Then it was back to college athletics at KU. Uh, was the draw of working for KU 
so much that you wanted to try it again? Yeah, I actually had a brief stint um, before that. I had a dream of of opening a multi sports facility, and so I opened uh, up the Wichita Sports Forum right. from you know six months and four days. We built it um, from scratch, broke ground, and and operated it. Uh, opened it over Christmas Eve, and it was a great experience, and it was a dream come true. And I'm still operating the Sports Forum on a day to day basis, but. Um, you know, I had an opportunity. It's like, I say, this is like when the president calls you answer, uh, you know, uh, Sean Lester, the, uh, deputy AD there called me and said, Hey, you're going to get a phone call from, uh, Shane Zinger. Uh, would you have any interest, interest in coming home? And, mm-hmm. uh, didn't know what that meant. And so they said they needed somebody to lead their fundraising efforts and, and just, uh, and so, like I said, when the president calls you answer and you, mm-hmm. you felt like. It was a calling that I needed to go home to help my alma mater. Did you enjoy it? I did. You know, it's that's a, a lot. That's a that's a high pressure job. It was a high pressure job, and it had some good and it had some bad, and you know, and some of that's been documented in our lack of success in football at the time, and and you know, trying to get a fan base that was tired of losing, and and uh, uh, you know, getting a, a, a administration that was committed to football. You know, I thought that was the first first time in a long time that our administration was focused on football and trying to get it together. So I, I do credit Dr. Zinger for that. Uh, did we get it done? No. Uh, but I think what you're seeing today is because of some of the, the hard decisions that we had to make. As, as, a, as a Jayhawk and a former athletic department employee, how much do you enjoy the football resurgence? Man, that's awesome. It, it, it really is because I know what the lifeline of athletic departments is, is that success of that football program. And it's finally good to see that you have endowment, you have athletics, and you have a, a, the president's office uh, 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 up on campus that is finally focused on football. Um, it has been, you know, there's a direct correlation. I've said this for many years is, you know, men's basketball at Kansas, uh, budget-wise, operates top, top one to two in the country. And football, during my time, when I first got there, we were operating like a, you know, lower-level uh, non-BCS program. There's mm-hmm. 65 BCS programs at the time. Uh, I think there's still that, but you know, we our budget at that time for football was around 76, 77. So you had programs that weren't in Power Five that had better operating budgets than football. Wow. And so that's a direct correlation. You know, you have mm-hmm. to put money where your mouth is, and if you want a successful football program or any program, you got to put money to it. And now we'll get into the NIL, but I, but which is such a big part of that now. But I, I, I want to ask about some other things you have going on too that are business related uh you're you're back in wichita now obviously you were involved with a couple of things that are not really sports related but kind of sports related champ town is one uh it's the it's the proposed entertainment district i guess you'd call it in park city kind of where the echo hills golf course used to be west side of 135 between 53rd and 61st talk about how that idea originated and how it's going and because you're it's a long process yeah certainly it's been a long process you know i've been blessed again with with my life in college athletics my network has grown and you know i had the privilege of of working for a gentleman by the name of dave johnson who owns chicken and pickle max's Mm -hmm. properties uh dave is my only missouri uh (laughs) alum friend uh as a jayhawk you know i i joke around you know we played uh missouri 15 times in my four years career and we cleared the benches 11 times (laughs) so uh and so uh so he is my only friend but he you know he told me it's time to put your network to use and so i went and started my own consulting gig and 
and really helped clients raise capital in my early couple of years and, and, you know, just really start using my network and then had an opportunity that I went and, uh, I always wanted to do baseball, softball fields in the market. Um, wanted to do them over at Stryker, uh, with, uh, and, uh, Never really got progress over there on the east side because, you know, I grew up on the west side at West Urban and mm-hmm. wanted to do something on the east side. And, and then I heard uh, through the grapevine that Park City was wanting to be a pretty aggressive. And uh, so I went and sat down with the mayor and city administrator, uh, Sean Fox, and, and had some conversation. And really, there was already a group ahead of me. And I've come to find out it was Ryan Mills and, and uh, Jeff Lang's group and and so I uh, went and sat down with them, said, hey, I'd have some interest in this and really mm-hmm. helped transform the project when it came to baseball and softball. And then, you know, now we're working on some bigger projects with retail and hopefully uh, bring in the first uh, first saltwater aquarium to the state of Kansas. Mm-hmm. Is that the biggest component of it or talk about what you what you all envision as the the most important pieces? Yeah, I would say I would say that is, you know, it's a uh, we're trying to to create a district there that's going to drive economic growth to this community. Park City is man, they have been fun to work with. They get it. They're excited. The city council there is progressive and and has rolled out the red carpet for opportunity. You look what's going on there. You got the two casinos and you have, um, you know, the, the chips plan up the road and obviously not in Park City, but that area. Park that City thing, took a lot of hits yeah, a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, no question. No question. But I think that's the great thing about this community is they took some hits, but here they are again. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're aggressive and we got a good team. And so the idea is we're trying to bring, you know, uh, there's, I, think a, I think we did an estimate there's 160,000 cars that drive by that that, uh, that location, uh, or 60,000 cars driving by that location every single day and 160 is a lot, but, uh, (laughs) hopefully we get to 160,000, but yeah, that, that saltwater aquarium would be a great opportunity for the state of Kansas and our region. Talk about, you said Park City is excited and, and aggressive. Is that a necessity? I mean, how much can you have a, a, a city council and a mayor that are just kind of lukewarm towards an idea and still get it done? Or do you need that progress from the from the government? I think you do. I mean, I'm still kind of early stages of putting deals together like this with communities. But in my opinion, I think you have to have everybody on the same page. And if you're not, you know, it, you're always just bumping, bumping heads. And so I think having a community like Park City and, and cutting through the red tape and, you know, having been, having you know, now somebody in my brother that is in politics, mm-hmm. uh, I hear about all the red tape and, and things like that. And, it, and it's nice to be able to cut through that quicker in a mm-hmm. smaller community like Park City. And right. uh, the best thing that I've heard them say to me, which is, which is awesome, and I don't think you hear it enough, is if, if, we're, not, um, if we're not moving fast enough, look in the mirror because it's not us. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's Park City's message to us. And so we've, we've uh, hit the ground running and, and really, uh, really explored how we can help the, help the community and, and drive economic growth. That's interesting to hear. You mentioned red tape. Uh, and I'm not going to say star bonds is red tape, but the star bonds uh, system where you have to go and prove a lot of things, including how much out-of-state interest and in, in tourism you would draw, that's got to be a tough thing to prove and tough to document uh how does that process work and is it a long process and and where is it right now yeah it's a challenge you know it's uh you know i've been lucky enough to be a part of one star bond already with 
yeah, as you you know, with with Wichita Sports Forum, mm-hmm. and look what's been built around right. that. Right, that was the first thing built. Mm-hmm. Besides Target and Cabela's, uh, the Wichita Sports Forum, and now look at Greenwich Place, and then right. you have Striker. You know, I'd pr- privilege to go around that community in that area all every day. I grab coffee. Uh, or breakfast or lunch in that area, and they're constantly telling telling us how much impact uh, our sports community has had on that area. And you, you can see, I mean, I've had to the point of, of Academy and Target have called me on my office phone saying, hey, can you let us know when your bigger tournaments are happening because we got to bring in extra people. Right. Um, that's yeah. pretty exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. And so having seen that work, uh, we know that, that it works. Um, and, you know, there's some good. There's Again, there's some good and there's some bad with everything. And Star Bonds has a, uh, in some places, has some negativity to it, rightly so. Uh, if you, but once you dig into really what's behind it and what the driver is, uh, you can really get on board with it. And uh, and so that's the plan. Is is uh, we're you know we're in the process of developing our our development plan that has to be approved. And there is some because. Uh, uh, it's it's a great opportunity. It does have some red tape that's needed, right? You have mm-hmm. to prove that you can bring in X amount of people outside of a 50-mile radius, X amount of people outside of the state, mm-hmm. those type of things. And so you got to prove that. We believe a, a saltwater aquarium and a baseball, softball, regional fields will do that. Um, but, you know, we got to have the retail that backs that up to do you do you take what you did at the sports forum in, in in the star bonds process there and duplicate it or are there differences here? Well, you know, the, uh, over the years, uh, I think the rules have kind of changed with star bonds for the better. You know, it makes it more difficult to go qualify for them. Um, and so, yeah, there's some things that that we certainly have learned through the sports forum and the operations of driving economic growth and and. Uh, you know, finding a good partner to partner with, you know, a lot of people don't understand is how powerful and big MAYB is, uh, in this market. They, right. they have tournaments all over the country and their headquarters is right here. And they utilize the Wichita sports Forum's head, their headquarters. So they're bringing every in regional weekend. and national yeah. tournaments every single weekend. So that <laughs> corridor is packed with, and those hotels are packed every single weekend. So there's a lot we can learn from that. And then there's some things that are going to be completely different. We've, We've been fortunate enough that we've we've partnered with some good individuals to come out. Prep Baseball Report, which is one of the largest tournament directors in the country, uh, they haven't been in this market much. Uh, they their their uh, promise to us is they're going to bring in roughly sixty to seventy percent of their teams will come from outside of a fifty mile radius, uh, and that is huge. You know that's what we're looking for. We're not looking to compete with local. Uh, leagues or local tournaments, uh, we're looking to bring in more regional and national type events to, to our market for the first time. I want to talk about something else you're involved in, and that's working with your father, yeah. who we haven't mentioned, Ray Beatty, um, on a, a Northwest Wichita, K96 and Ridge area, a, a new bowling complex. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where Ray kind of made his hay over the years is in bowling. Uh, Talk about what that project is, and then also talk about what it's like working with your father on that. You know, it's been fun. You know, I've had the privilege. You know, I'm part. Uh, I'm a quiet investor in the mattress hub with my brother, so I've had opportunities to work with him and obviously uh, 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 play sports with him growing up. And my sister, uh, you know, she's leading the uh, the uh, the private banking at at Emprise Bank now. She left commerce and went there, and so this is this started as a family passion, right? My dad. Um, had an opportunity uh, when Joma uh, uh, sold 
the rit or they they sold the uh, West Acres, the Alley, and North Rock. Mm -hmm. There was an opportunity in the market that my dad needed to make a decision: was he going to go work with Bolero? which is a great company, uh, nothing negative to say, but didn't really fit my dad's niche, right? Mm -hmm. um, the bowling community, it's still a blue-collar community here. And if you look from Wichita all the way up into the Ohio Valley, league bowling is, is huge. Um, yes, the FEC, uh, the family entertainment side is a huge piece. That's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. But what do you do Monday through Thursday? Mm -hmm. And that's where we think we have a recipe that nobody else has is, uh, I hate to say that Friday, Saturday, Sunday kind of takes care of itself, but it kind of does, uh, if you have the right, right things. But my dad historically has had the top league program in, in the Midwest, not just Kansas in the entire Midwest. He helped start high school bowling in the state of Kansas for uh, right. uh, many years ago. Uh, so his youth program is one of the strongest in the country, not his senior citizen program is one of the strongest in the country. So we think we have a recipe Monday through Thursday. We wanted to develop a facility that took took in, in we think, you know, we learned a lot from the alley, having been a part of that is it's really set up for FEC and really didn't, didn't uh, correspond with the league bowler. Uh, we wanted to really concentrate on the league bowler Monday through Thursday, so we designed the facility to take care of them. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we designed a facility that fits both the FEC, the entertainment. But being a part of this with my dad has been fun. It's been a blast. I've seen a different side of him, a passion um, that I've heard people talk about in the bowling industry, how passionate he is, and I get to see it firsthand Um it's no longer my dad running a bowling center and I go there and get free games of bowling. I get to see my dad <laughs> in action and how many people are passionate about him in the industry. And so him and his operations, we partnered with uh, Luis Lopez, right. who is running our restaurant. Um, and then you got me that's helping do the fundraising to get this thing off the ground and finding a good local business a bank partner and and uh, so it's been fun. It's when been does fun. ground break and when do you hope to open? You know, it's, uh, that's, that's always the question in the last probably 30, 60 days. We're finalizing some. We've had a couple of our equity partners out of country. And, and so we're getting all of our subscription agreements in and, and signed and doing everything the legal way and, and then uh, and finalizing our financing. We picked a great partner in Conco to build our, mm -hmm. our bowling center. Um, and so we got a great piece of land where I think is, you know, I don't think, I know it's the fastest growing part of, of the state is right there at Northwest Wichita. Um, and so, uh, we, we're hoping to break ground before Christmas. Uh, our plan was this month, but we're a little delayed there. Um, uh, but goal is to be open, um, by Christmas next year. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, I want to get an NIL and the unique, um, opportunity you have not only with as a partner with mass strategies in, in lawrence with ku but you're also a partner tell me what your title is at, at wichita state yeah with so I'm, I'm a partner in the armchair strategies right. as well that which is the collective at, at wichita state i'm i'm just fascinated by what you can say in terms of the difference between like you talked about earlier wichita state not a power five uh but it's a traditionally strong basketball program with other programs and traditional baseball too and then kansas with with the football resurgence and then basketball is, you know, top notch, top in the country. Uh, how do those two NILs work and work differently? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, 
NIL is interesting beast in itself. Is you know I've said this many times. Is you know we got started in July of of twenty one, and it was truly the wild wild west. I mean nobody really knew what was going on, and <laughs> the NC two A is really good typically about controlling things Mm -hmm. and when um you know the uh, when it passed it or when supreme court decided that uh they wanted to get involved in this and student athletes could now be paid and antitrust lawsuits and all sorts of things that were going on the nc2a did something that i wasn't expecting they just literally threw up on everybody and said here you go go figure it out and so then you had the states and you had the city or the the uh, trying to figure it out. You had individual schools trying to figure it out. But I think we're at a point now where it's kind of level set. I don't think we're in the wild, wild west anymore. I think we're just in the west. And uh, <laughs> and everything's level set with these collectives and, and things like that. But you talk about the difference between the KU collective, Mass Street, and uh, Wichita State, which is armchair. Is, it's been good being, being, one, uh, uh, being a, a part of both of them. Uh, because there is a lot of similarities. Um, you know, uh, football, Kansas football is in a situation where they have an opportunity to leverage NIL for the very first time. Instead of playing catch-up like we've been trying to do for the last 10, 12, 15 years with Kansas mm-hmm. football, NIL has given them an opportunity to speed that process up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kansas basketball is in a maintenance mode, right? you got to be able to operate like – a Kentucky, a Duke, a North Carolina, and they're in maintenance mode. And so you are you have two different programs that are on two different paths with NIL. One can play catch-up a lot quicker. The other one just needs to maintain. And then you got Wichita State, as I've said. If the business community at Wichita State wants to get involved in NIL, we can be a top 25 program every single year in basketball and baseball. Put that into uh, a picture for me. What does it take? As far as when you say that if the business community gets involved, just just pure money. Yeah, I mean, in the end, that's what that's what NIL is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's leveraging opportunities. Um, these kids are still. Uh, I don't care what you read in the lo- in in the papers, national news, or those type of things. These kids are still making decisions to go to schools because of the the uh, the academics, because of you know the location and the, the degree and those times, yeah. the coaches and all that. But you're crazy to think that NIL is not a part of that as well. Right. And they're not making those sole decisions, but it is a big piece of that. And you know, there's many ways to get involved in NIL and. And at Wichita State in particular, it's it's uh, if if the business community, it doesn't take a lot. You know, I put it in perspective: a Power Five program, you know, they're operating with a five to seven million dollar budget when it comes to NIL. When you're looking at Wichita State for basketball, you know, you might have men's basketball at KU doing three and a half million. Wichita State takes eight hundred thousand dollars to operate mm-hmm. at a big level. You mm-hmm. know, because at that level, non-Power 5 level, you can do some big things with that. And so um, there's some big opportunities. Uh, local community, I say, you know, I think Coke Industries and, and every, every business here in the market will tell you when Wichita State Athletics is strong, 
you can you can you can do anything in this market. People right. are interested in coming. They're interested in staying in this market. They're interested in moving to this market. And so, I, I think it's uh, it's huge for the community to get behind the shocker athletes through NIL. The the word shockers is probably the greatest uh, thing when you go to California or New York or anywhere, and somebody says shockers, and they yep. think of Wichita State. That's, no question. You're right. The mid the mid 2010s. It was no better right. um, than that. I, I'm interested in, uh, well, I, I guess there are enough businesses in Wichita where that's certainly possible. Is it just a matter of tuning people into NIL and what this means? or How, how tough is the sell job, I no, guess, it, is what I'm is. asking. It is a difficult sales job because you look at it, just look at me personally, as I come from the background of college athletics and fundraising where it was taboo for me to even have a conversation with a student athlete or a donor about paying student athletes, right? And that never happened. And now you're, you're, you're going to a, a donor base, a community, and you're having a conversation with them about now it's permissible mm-hmm. for them to pay a student athlete to do X, Y, Z. Um, so that's a tough sell because people don't understand it. And it takes a good relationship with the athletic department. I'm telling you, we have a stud in Kevin Saul here uh, because he gets it. He understands it. Mm-hmm. He's community-minded, but he understands the impact of NIL. Um, and that was a problem for a couple of years, right? Or well, at least no one year, one year. Yeah, no question. I yeah. mean, I, uh, uh, in full transparency, I, I went to administration in July of 21 when I launched the KU Collective. I went to the administration of Wichita State and said, hey, I'd have interest of running Wichita State's NIL. And and it was looked, looked as, um, yeah, no, we're not interested. We think this is a fad. We don't think this is going to last very long. And that was short-sighted. And so now uh, you look at it today uh, of where we're at. um, And with with coach or new coaching staff at Wichita State, there's unbelievable passion and excitement about the program now. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's some excitement there, but we could have we could have got started a lot earlier here for sure. You're a student athlete, former student athlete who played four years of baseball, and then you worked in athletic departments. I'm curious how long it took you to wrap your brain around we can now give money to players. You know, it was uh, you know to say that um, uh, did I did I think that uh, you know having been on the inside I. I realized the impact that these student athletes are having on a university and a community and the amount of dollars that are transferring hands uh, legally uh, with ticket sales and TV revenue and those type of things. So I've always felt in my mind that that student athletes uh, were being shorted a little bit. Do I think a student athlete should make millions and millions of dollars? Probably not, but do I think they should take part in um, some type of rev share or those type of things. Absolutely. I mean, they are making huge impacts. I mean, can you imagine what a, um, an Andrew Wiggins at Kansas would have made when he was there and how much money he did make the university or the Orange Bowl team, how much they did, or the Final Four team. I was talking to Ron Bakers on our board uh, for our shocks, uh, which is our nonprofit for our, our group here in, at Wichita State Collective. And and uh, I joke around with him all the time. I'm like, hey, dude, do you have any idea how well you would have done in the NIL space? I mean, people were uh, – they're still in love with you, Ron. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, so, you know, the, the amount of uh, revenue that he generated and Van Fleet generated and that team generated for the community, for businesses around here, the university, um, you know, do I think they should participate? Absolutely, I, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
talk about KU, and you, you mentioned Andrew Wiggins. Grady Dick is the 2023 example of Andrew <clears throat> Wiggins, and in his one year, can you talk about how much he might have made, and did he make money past Mass Street, or did he have his own deal? I guess is yeah. What what what. What what's been great about this this movement is now the uh, the NC2A has allowed these student athletes not only monetize their name image likeness but they've allowed them to go hire marketing agencies. In a general way, that's what we do. We're a general you know marketing agency, um, but we really work with the local companies, businessmen and women. We work with the donor base and those type of things. And then you get into the national stuff, which isn't my recipe, right? I can't do that on the national level. That's where these marketing agencies are getting into. And so you see the, the big agencies that will hopefully, their goal is to, to represent them when they get to their NBA and NFL contracts. But they now have marketing agencies that help them go get national deals. And so, uh, yeah, Grady, Grady did great in NIL. Uh, we were a big part of that as well on the local level. Um, but he did pretty well just in the fact of, of uh, uh, you know, the agency that helped him. You know, we have, uh, you know, we, we do sign NDAs with our student athletes. And so we, we, we can't talk about in individual deals and what they make in individual deals. But the you know they're they're sizable mm -hmm. for some of those student athletes um and uh we're, we're just uh, privileged to be a part of it when bill self or, or lance leipold is recruiting a, a, a high school junior senior what can they tell him about nil i'm assuming you can't talk to this the the recruit so what what is said and how does that how does a recruit know this is kind of what I'm going to get if I go to KU or yeah, anywhere else. That's a great question, and that's part of the education. Is, is no, we uh, you know as much as you read uh, nationally, the collectives are not a part of those discussions with recruits. And if they are, they are recruit. You know, they're they they have violations. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing that we've been uh, we, that we've set out to do since day one is do it the right way. And um, we've never had a conversation with, with recruits. We don't talk to the coaches about recruits. Uh, we're very limited on that, that communication at all. And, but what they can do, which is what's great about it, and that's why it's important to get, we sign our student athletes to what we call marketing agreements. So for example, let's just say, for example, let's use $10,000 as an example. If they're gonna make $10,000 over the next 10 months, uh, we might pay them $1,000 a month, and they have to do five or six things within that contract. They get paid at the end of the month. Uh, they have to report everything that they do, the income that they make on NIL, so that's all compliant. Um, and so when we do, when we do that, uh, because of those contracts, what Bill or Coach Mills or any of our coaches can do now is they can talk past tense. Mm -hmm. So they can say, hey, we had a student athlete, a point guard here that did, you know, 200 and some thousand dollars, or they had these opportunities. And so they can talk past tense. They cannot go out and promise a student athlete, hey, you come here, you're going to get $200,000. Mm -hmm. But they can say, hey, we had a point guard, very similar situation as you right. that did, did this. That makes a lot of sense. Yep. I think some people would say that the combination of NIL and the transfer portal has still created a little bit of a wild west, not quite west. Uh, the portal aside, staying on NIL, what do you see as challenges? What do you see as danger signs that 
we need to fix this as we go forward? Well, I mean, I think, uh, and you're going to get me on my soapbox here, but, <laughs> you know, the transfer portal, I can't stand. Right. Um, I think the strong survive the transfer portal. A place like Kansas basketball is going to thrive in that transfer portal because uh, they get an opportunity to basically scout every team in America and then go pick apart the, the best players. But what about commitment? I mean, mm-hmm. what, are, what are we teaching these kids that when things are tough, when things aren't going well, when I'm not starting, when I'm not doing that, I just quit and go somewhere else? I mean, what are we teaching our community? And and that's starting at a younger base, you know, having having ran a baseball academy for the last since 2015 in this market. You're seeing that growth approach that market mm-hmm. and just dealing with that. We're teaching these kids to the softness of this, uh, uh, that it's that it's OK to quit and it's OK to go find something else. And the grass is greener on the other side. And that's what I don't like about it. And that's what I think is the detriment of 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 our society and and that we're teaching these kids that it's okay to quit. Are, are there any specific NIL-only challenges that you see coming ahead? Well, you know, I, I, I think so. You know, one is the transfer portal. You know, you got kids that are, are committed into contracts and those type of things, and so it's, it's, it's interesting trying to fit our contracts around the transfer portal, mm-hmm. um, and we do that. You know, we, we, uh, there's times in the contracts where we are not paying them to make sure that Hey, you know, we're not paying you to leave mm-hmm. um, and you have to do certain things for this contract. So that's the way our contracts are written is you have to be in a certain proximity to campus and be able to do things. And if you can't, that's the great thing about NIL is the quid pro quo you have to do is you have to do X, Y, and Z to receive Y. And, uh, and so that is, that, that's the big piece, but you know, just keeping up with that. You know, what is what is uh, at any point? There's 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 challenges. There's any point the NC2A could come in and say, "Hey, student athletes are you know, uh, or actually the Supreme Court or somebody legislation could come in and say that these student athletes are employees now." Mm-hmm. I don't know if it'll ever get to that point, um, but there's a lot up in the air. Do, does a student athlete really want to be an employee? Because if you're an employee you have the right to be hired and right to be fired right. in a lot of states. So, yeah. and then, you know, if the universities get involved, now you're involved with title IX and those types of things. So do I think it's always going to be a third party doing NIL? Yes. I think it's going to fall probably in the next two to three years or longer. It's going to fall more into the landscape of what Learfield does and mm-hmm. your third party party rights. Um, and maybe maybe the athletic department's involved, but I think they've made some pretty good sacrifices. Now the athletic departments can, I can literally go with a with an employee of the university, and they can talk to a donor about the importance of NIL and that you need to get involved in NIL. And would you like to get involved in NIL? I have to do the asking mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, for individual sports, but certainly coaches can tell donors all day long that how important NIL is. Last and probably the most important NIL question, how much would KU second baseman Ryan, or Matt Beatty <laughs> have made an NIL back in the mid-2000s? Yeah, I don't know about that. You know, it's uh, baseball is, uh, you know, it's. I, I will tell you this. NIL, probably of any sport, NIL could probably make the biggest impact 
on a baseball program than any other program. Because you think about it is there's only 11.7 scholarships. Right. NC2A, let's get that right first. There's 11.7 scholarships, right? There's there's what, 35 guys on a roster. I think it might have been pushed to 40 during COVID. Only 27 of them can be on aid. Uh, Man, so if you can figure out NIL and how to get creative with, hey, I got this kid on a scholarship and I got this and – there is so after after running a, an academy, there's so much misconception on what a full ride is. What you know, mm-hmm. people say, "Well, I'm going here for a full ride." Well, what's that mean? Is that books tuition? Is that is that room and board? Does it include everything? So, how do you a, a strategic program can really really get going in NIL if they can leverage NIL scholarship dollars and all those things? And we're seeing that play out at Wichita State. We're seeing that play out at KU with baseball. Uh, we have a budget for for the programs there, and you know Wichita State's got a. Uh, I think KU had the number one junior college class in the country last year, and they're on pace to do the same. And Wichita State, I think uh, I heard from coach the other day, they're they're had the thirty fifth, thirty sixth ranked class. Uh, they're leveraging NIL, and we've been a big piece of that. So. It'll be interesting to see how Brian Green does in his first year with yeah. with that with that help. Matt, thanks so much for taking a lot of your time. I, I think it's been interesting, though. I could ask you a lot more questions, but we'll get it under an hour. So thanks so much, and uh, we'll look forward to tracking the progress of Champ Town and the Ridge and NIL at Wichita State in Kansas. Thanks Pre- so much. Appreciate your time. Thank you. That's it for Biz Talk this week, episode 333. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. BizTalk is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thank you very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.